and welcome in to the Glenn Clark Radio Program, GCR, for a Monday, the 28th, 28th of July, right? The 28th of July? I, you know, I wish it is was. It it, that, 20- would, that would make it Friday. It is uh, the 24th of July. Today's the 24th of July. Yes. See, yeah. when I try and think of something like that very quick, it doesn't work very well. All right. We're on Monday, the 24th. This is uh, the dulcet tones of one Stan the Fan, along with Griffin Bass, uh, board op, producer, extraordinaire, and Grant oh, DeVito, you. our Stevenson University intern, baseball aficionado. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Can't see Grant, but yes, Grant is here. Yeah, yeah. Grant is in the house. Uh, Orioles have a, a nice little trip to uh, Tampa Bay. They win three out of four, kind of grasp first place, wrestle it away from Tampa. It was sort of some hand-to-hand combat in this series down in Tampa, but the Orioles come away with three victories out of four, and they now have basically a two-game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. I think Toronto is still third, but they did not have a good week. They finished two and four this week. And the Boston Red Sox, I believe, were 3-3 three and three this week. Uh, they are fourth. And the New York Yankees, I think, are in last place. Is that right, Grant? I believe they are. Yeah. They yeah. are. They're they, tied they for luckily, last. Luckily, yeah. by the skinny, by the chinny, the, the skinny <laughs> skin skin of their chin, they had the Kansas City Royals on their schedule for three at a perfect time where they looked after, what, being swept by the Angels, losing a series in Colorado, just an awful week last week for the Yankees until they met Kansas City for three games, and they did what everybody does to Kansas City, beat the crap out of them. So uh, the Yankees barely uh, in last place, uh, just behind the Boston Red Sox. Welcome in. It is the Glenn Clark Radio Program. Uh, the week of July 24th. I was kidding about that. I, of course, knew it was the 24th and not the 24th. I wasn't 28th. sure if you just thought it was Friday. Which, no, you know. no. But I will be I, here I could, Friday. Okay. Good. On the 28th. Good. I will also be here on Tuesday. That's tomorrow, the 25th. And my buddy Bruce Posner and I are driving up to Philly tomorrow for the uh, Orioles Phillies game Tuesday night in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. All right. Nice. Um, I will be here, as I said, today, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Friday. Ken Zalis will fill in uh, on Thursday and Friday. So let's get cracking. Uh, the Orioles, winners of three out of four. Let's tell you what we've got for you on the show this, uh, this morning. Drew Forrester from Drew's Morning Dish will join us. I haven't talked to Drew in probably four to six months. Drew's going to come in and not come in physically. He's going to be on the phone with us, and he'll be talking to us, recapping the British Open. I'm sure we'll get a little Oriole talk and maybe a little women's uh, soccer uh, World mm, Cup. Yes, yes, World Cup. What's that? Yeah, World Cup. Yeah, yeah I watched. Did you watch the Jamaica oh, yeah. France game last night? Oh, the Jamaica France game. I did not check that yeah, one out, but I did was, see the U.S. That was like watching paint dry. <laughs> It really was. It, it was. Uh, I, I'm trying to get on board with watching women's soccer, but give me a little bit more excitement than that game had. Uh, there didn't seem to be one time in that game 
The closest anyone came to scoring a goal, Jamaica, late in the game, hit the crossbar with a shot, but it wasn't firm enough to scoot in there. Drew Foster joins us at 10-15 to break down the win of one Brian Harmon in the Open, uh, which is used to be called the British Open. It's now just simply called the, the Open. Open. Right. Why did they do that? That's a good question. Um, I can try to find out for you real quick, yeah. Stan. Let's I don't see. remember a good a good enough reason to start referring to it. It would be like if the Australian Open in tennis, they just start calling it the Open. I mean, what is something against Britain? It's because it's, it's, it's open to all, apparently. It's, it's okay. not just the British Open. It is open to everyone. And, and it, by that, they mean profes- professional golfers and amateur golfers. Yeah, um, but that's, but that's yeah, kind that's of assumed up. in, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. they have, that, I'm with that's you. kind of assumed. I mean, it's, it's sort of designated the geographic position of the tournament, not whether it had it was open to all or closed to some. I never once <laughs> thought that that was the British closed, that, the, yeah. the British closed, you know, anyway, Lee Lowenfish, a former professor of mine at UMBC back in the early 70s. Lee has been an author of many, many books on baseball, uh, and he's got a good one out now. It's called Baseball's Endangered Species Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It. It's a Nebraska Press book. I mean, this is a thick book. This is about 500 and some pages, so be prepared to dig in uh, on that. Uh, Lee's a really good writer and writes an interesting book about the craft of scouting uh, and how it's moved away from sort of old-time baseball judgments to much more analytically-based judgments. Mm. So we'll talk to him. Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer. He covers the Philadelphia Phillies. He'll preview, help us preview the series the Orioles have, three games up in Philadelphia. Those game times, by the way, in Philly, a little bit different. 640, 6.40, Monday and Tuesday, tonight and tomorrow. Then, for some reason on Wednesday, they didn't go to a day game, like a one fifteen or 2 o'clock or whatever. They have a 6 o'clock game. I don't quite understand the, the, the yeah. movement, the 40-minute movement there. Uh, do you, how do you feel about that? Do you like having the earlier uh, start times for these games? I like having the earlier start time if they want to have an earlier start time. 40 minutes doesn't, doesn't do anything for It doesn't make much sense to me. Actually, seems like it's more complicated it, to get there on time. Right, that's, in a, the that's fair. That's cool. I feel like, uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. I yeah. feel like they were trying to, like, make it more, I guess, like, family-friendly. Like, you know, like, if you, you more, it encourages families with children okay. to come out to the game more, so that way... You know, you're not leaving the city at 10 p.m. at night. You're it's closer right. to you know nine at nine o'clock. All right. Um, I, I don't know if that's the full. That, I don't know if that's the yeah. only reason. There's got to be more to it. Um, but you know, these teams, uh, you know, they got more resources than well, us. Baseball, I think. So. Baseball clearly has moved moved to a much more convenient schedule for teams that are leaving a city. Uh, you know, in the third game of the series. They're doing a lot more Wednesday and Thursday afternoon games, which means if you're a fantasy baseball player, you got to really pay attention. You know, because make sure you get your moves in before you the game's locked. Get lock. your moves in. 
Are there any day games today? Not to, actually, yeah, there is one, I believe, on the docket for today. Uh, who plays today? Who plays today? I see Giants and Tigers at one. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a, a rough make- game. That's a makeup game. Mm. Yeah, from a previous series. That's a rough Other game than for that, the Giants. That's it. Yeah. It's a rough game for the Giants. Well, I mean, yeah, just because they're you know they're a West Coast team and they got to play at ten o'clock local time. But they're coming from Washington or ten o'clock DC. Pacific time. Yeah, they are. They're coming from, from DC, DC, but I mean, still. They had a they had an awful week this week. No, they, yeah, they did. They uh, Logan Webb did not. He got he got, he got tortured cracked. in his start. How yeah. often do you hear that happen? Yeah, Logan Webb, not making it out of the second inning. I had the Giants. They had been the pre. They they had moved back from like eight to twelve, and this week the power rankings, which will be up around noon on PressBoxOnline.com. I have the Giants. Uh, in a flat-footed tie, by the way, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, both clubs 54 and 46. The Giants had this week they played in Cincinnati. They swept the doubleheader, then lost the last two games of that series and lost all three games at Washington. So they finished the week two and five. And that's not a good week when you're playing Washington. You're you're thinking two out of three minimum against yeah. minimum, and they got zero there. So the Giants, who at one time were nip and tuck with Arizona and the Dodgers, Dodgers have uh, had a fairly good week. They went four and two. They beat the Orioles two out of three, and they beat the Rangers two out of three. Um, so they are uh, in first place by a couple games now. Uh, at one time, it looked like Arizona. The up-and-coming team was going to grab that division. They did. They, at one time, had about a three-game lead over the Dodgers, but they have uh, come back to earth a little bit. And how about the Tampa Bay Rays? Uh, yeah, they're, they have not had a great month no, at all. No. They are 13-24 and 24 in their last 37 games. Wow. What do you think's happened to them, Grant? Well, Aside uh, think- from the loss of... Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs. Yeah, losing them's big, but I think just the recent just play overall on the field. I mean, Gunner taking a triple and a routine base hit that arose arena. Sh- you, you should you should be keeping Gunner on second on a play like that. And the fact that you're jogging to the ball, lobbing it in, two hopping it to the cutoff man, and Gunner's fast and he saw that. I think plays like that and other mistakes they've been making on the field, just lazy baseball. Kind of like suddenly, yeah, we got we got these. We're the champs. We're the Rays. Oh, can't catch up though. They sure did. Yeah. And because they're catching the Rays sleeping, and it's a play like that on a Rose Arena, who's better than what he proved on that play, and that's teams are going to exploit them for that, and that's why they're falling back. Yeah. It seems like when they're playing the Orioles now, they they somehow think they're playing the Orioles of two thousand two years ago, yeah, twenty, yeah, you know, twenty one. When what was it twenty one? We were one in eighteen versus Tampa. That sounds that sounds right because yeah. it was one of those years. Yeah, and I it think seems it was like one they of the more still recent think ones. that Rio Ruiz <laughs> hit that single, not Gunnar Henderson. You know. So anyway, that's a good breakdown on what I. That's kind of what I see. The Just pitching lazy. it starts part of. It's interesting too that they. They did they DFA Yanni Chirinos and he just got claimed by Atlanta. Claimed by the Atlanta yep. Braves. So I think he's, he's a good arm. Yeah, I don't know about letting him go, letting yeah. him walk like that. Yeah, but I, certainly I wouldn't have yeah. minded taking a shot on him. Um, 
So the Orioles, by the way, were about a week away from the trade deadline, and we'll get into it in some detail today at 4 o'clock on my Monday Zoom, and we'll let you know that uh, I've changed the format for my weekly shows. Now every Monday at 6 p.m., I'll be joined by former Oriole pitcher Ross Grimsley. That was already occurring. And Press Box Managing Editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. We'll talk about the trade deadline and what the Orioles and Mike Elias need to accomplish at this trade deadline. Uh, then on Thursdays, every Thursday night, uh, myself and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This past Thursday, and it's still up on the website, uh, this week they chatted with Superbook oddsmaker John Murray. You can watch the shows live at facebook.com slash pressbox or find them the next day at pressboxonline.com slash video and youtube.com slash pressboxonline. So join Stan, Ross, and Luke this and every Monday at 4 o'clock will be on uh, tonight. This Thursday, Gary Stein and I at 7 o'clock, uh, we will be having... Um, we will be having on uh, Rob Ambrose. Oh, that's a good one. Towson, yeah. The former, former head coach, football head coach of Towson University. Anyway, uh, we move onward and upward uh, on the program. Drew Forrester is going to come in in just a bit and break down the British Open. Wasn't a lot of drama, uh, Griff, in the uh, – the British Open. Brian Harmon kind of took the lead yeah. late on or midway through Saturday and just cruised to an easy victory. So um, that is, and we're hooking up with Drew momentarily right now. Um, and is Drew there? Drew Forrester joins us from Drew's Morning Dish. Drew, long time no talk to. Yeah, I'm up in beautiful New Jersey. What do you? It's, what, uh, what, what does that mean? You moved there? <laughs> no, you no, no, not yet. I haven't been chased out yet. Yeah, what um, are you doing up in New playing, Jersey? Playing in a golf tournament, and uh, you know, there's a certain baseball team playing in Philly tonight too. Don't forget. Yeah. So you'll be there. You know. You'll be there. Yes, sir. All right. Are you going to be there tomorrow night? No. Okay. No, just. Yep, just today or uh, tonight. I'll be uh, driving up with Bruce Posner tomorrow. We bought tickets about oh, three awesome. weeks ago. Yeah, we'll be up there and we'll see Kyle Gibson against Tejon Walker. Uh, you better start Gibson. saving your money for October, buddy. Uh, I'll take advantage of my press credential, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be dabbling in that. Uh, by the way, did you notice that the Orioles have done exactly what they did back in 2014? You need to buy a season ticket package. Oh, I know. The, yeah. The Bird Club membership of yep. some of some content, either a thirteen game plan or a right. partial plan of twenty six games, to in order to lock in your postseason games. But the Orioles made one fatal flaw after two thousand fifteen when they had all those people buy the um, the the uh, postseason tickets the year before. They never resold them. They, they didn't really do a good job at bringing those people back. Well, I had we had a mini plan for several years, yep. um, not just because of that, but, you know, my Ethan, my son, was growing up, and we were going to the games. And um, 
everyone's doing it now, right? This this yeah. whole hey, you got to buy a season ticket, where you got to put money down if you want to come to the playoffs, and particularly with this team. I mean, it would be different if I don't know that that trick works in you know New York where the Yankees make it every year, or uh, in hockey it doesn't really work with the Capitals because they're in the playoffs every year except last year. Um, but it might work now because the Orioles haven't been. You know, they haven't been in the playoffs since 16, and they haven't had a I, – I would say – somebody asked me this the other day. I think this is the first time since 2014 where you've thought, like, hmm, eh, you know what? Things go right for us. We could be playing in the World Series. And and other than 14, it's been since the late 90s since yeah. we thought that. So yeah. this is a totally a, a new feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, though, when you talk about that plan – to me, that plan of, of sort of coercing, you know, you're, you're making a slight coercion there that you have to sure. buy a season ticket for next year of some value to, in order to get the postseason tickets. The goal there is to build up your season ticket base. I don't know if the club now, if, if clubs value a season ticket base the way they did 30 or 20 years ago, Drew. Well, I don't know that they value it, but certainly when you look at the crowds the Orioles have had this year, despite how well they've played and despite you know everything that's happened, their their weeknight numbers are still pretty lousy. Yeah. Um, they're in the bottom third of attendance in the league. I would have expected. I, I'm not expecting twenty four thousand to go out every every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I, I would think they could be drawing somewhere in the sixteen to eighteen range, uh-huh. almost every night i've seen and that uh, is where the season ticket base does help yeah no question about it i before we get into the golf and i do want to talk to you about that but i i've seen an uptick in the monday through thursday nights oh but there's I, no doubt there's I, more for but sure I, right but i have to be honest i was shocked that all we drew to the dodgers three game series was 22 a night you know that that's not that that's not getting good fan participation in this thing, right? Right. I mean, especially when they only come here whatever once yeah. every six years or something like that, right? So it leads me to believe it's interesting. Did you watch some of the games in Tampa, Drew? I'm sure you did, right? I watched a few of them. There were a lot of. I did not. I listened yesterday on the ride up to New Jersey. I listened to the Rays broadcast and listened to Andy Freed and his his partner um, complain about how much how much the Orioles dominated them but I did watch some Friday and Saturday right it was pretty amazing to watch how many Baltimore Oriole fans were in attendance and it led me and I wrote something about it as part of my uh, Monday commentary that I do on our website it's not up yet it'll be up around noon along with my baseball power rankings but it it led me to make a supposition that not all those fans flew down to Tampa and said, let's go. I mean, there were certainly some that did, but I think there's an awful lot of transplants to Sarasota and Tampa that are showing up whenever the Orioles are good and they play. And I think there's an awful lot of people, those are transplants from Baltimore that have moved down there. And I think that, that the Orioles have done such a terrific job in Sarasota building this bond with Sarasota. I think there are a lot of Sarasotians have taken up rooting for the Orioles. And I would check all up. of those. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would check every one of those boxes off. I think, um, look, there weren't – this wasn't a Ravens away game. There weren't 5,000 people there. But, they, you know, there were a few hundred people in the stands, which I think 
represents when you're in Tampa, Florida in the middle of July or late July, that represents a lot of people, I, right? I, to to, I, to I get bet. on a plane and fly down there or, as you said, yeah. to, to, to say, hey, we know what we're going to do this weekend. We're, we're going to go up to Tampa and watch and, and watch the Orioles. I think that really does say something for yeah, sure. Yeah, I disagree with you, though. I thought it was more than a couple hundred. I thought there was a okay. couple thousand in the stands. I mean, maybe, when, okay, when, maybe, the TV, okay. when the TV scanned, it looked like it really looked like the Yankees taking over Camden Yards for years. That oh. It was it was oh. really it was a sight to see. Those hey, were the days, right? Hey, let's uh, turn to this British. Uh, actually, the Open. Now, can uh, you yeah, do I a still good? Call it, it's okay. Can, I still call it the British Open. Can you do a, a good job? Griffin kind of gave me the brief explanation that it's open to all golfers. Uh, it, why did they change the name? Well, it's sort of always been the Open Championship, but they right. they they just. They've now like demanded that everyone call it the the uh, Open, the open okay. Championship. Like it, it United. You know, in America, Jim McKay and Jack Whitaker they used to refer to it all the time as the British Open back when it was on ABC. Right. And, um, at some point, the, the the people at the RNA and the folks that run the tournament are like, you, you can't call it that any longer, and you you have to call it the Open Championship. It, it, it's just them trying to make it out to be bigger than the u.s open yeah. that's really all it is okay all right uh that's tell, all us, it is. tell us a little bit about the winner of this tournament i'm not that familiar with him had he won before on the tournament on, on the well on the yeah so brian Harmon has a pretty interesting career um he was a he was the best junior golfer in the country in the early 2000s um, he was ranked number one in the world as a, as a junior. Sorry about the noise in the background. Sorry. He was ranked number one as a junior. Um, he won, ironically, down in D.C. at Columbia Country Club. He won the United States Junior, which Tiger won that three times, um, which has you know, never been done again. But Brian Harmon won the U.S. Junior. Uh, he then was a um, scholarship golfer at the University of Georgia. He signed with them as a 10th grader, which is also unheard of. Um, was one of the best college players in the country. Um, didn't win as much in college as I think a lot of people thought he would, but he was a tremendous college player. Uh, came out on tour, made a really nice living right away, stacked up a bunch of top tens, didn't win for six years, finally broke through and won, uh, won again a couple of years later, and then that's it. He, he's only won two times before this weekend, but he has amassed the third most top tens in all of golf since 2015. Really? So he's, yeah, he's been a moneymaker and a, and a, and a guy who has put together, he's made $30 million. He's, he's had a very, very nice career. He'll never look, you know, he'll never look at the, the menu again and worry about the price of anything, <laughs> but he, he hasn't won as much as everyone thought, but, um, but you know, this was a, this was a career defining moment for him, obviously, because it really kind of punctuates what he's done in his 14 years as a pro. Interesting. It was I, not a fluke. It was not and, a fluke. I, you know, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up by saying, you know, when Ben Curtis won in 2003 out of nowhere, that was a fluke. He, he, he hadn't really done anything in his career. When Sean McKeel won the PGA, uh, that was kind of a fluke. He had never done anything. Brian Harmon's had a very, very good career. He's just never won anything of note un- 
until yesterday. But is this his, was not a fluke. Is his game well suited to to the open, the, the European links type golf? A, a little bit. He and that's a good question. It is a little bit horses for courses. He hits it dead straight off the tee. He does not hit it a long way, but in 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 this at this venue yesterday, length off the tee didn't really matter all that much. Right. Um, it's position. And it's position. Right. They're they're not nearly as obsessed over there with length off the tee as we are here. So when we try to make a golf course more difficult in the U.S., we just build more tee boxes thirty yards back or forty yards back. Over there, they just grow the rough higher, make the greens a little slower. And occasionally they'll they'll pinch up you know they'll do some work on the bunkering to make the bunkers more in play. They're not nearly as overwhelmed with how far people hit it as we are, and that did fit well with him. Um, he is one of the best putters in golf, and that also helped him. the The greens over there are kind of flat. They're not as undulated as ours are. They're not nearly as quick. A lot of the players were complaining because the green speeds were down. Um, so he, he was a good fit for what that golf course offered. And the fact that it rained made it a little softer. Uh, so there were a lot of things that helped him, for sure. But he, by far, he played the best golf of anybody. What's, uh, what's next in golf right now? Or is there one more of the classic uh, tournaments? No, no, no. So they got a, a couple weeks where they're just playing a, a regular events to finish up the season. And then they have the... Uh, FedEx Cup playoffs, which the top 70 guys on the points list get to play an event. Then the the guys that are 51 to 70 go away, and they play another one with the top 50. And then the 31 to 50 go away, and the top 30 play in the Tour Championship. So there are three significant tournaments left with a with huge purses. And then they have the Ryder. Then we have the Ryder Cup at the end of September, which is you know that. That ends the season, and that's really – it's a biannual event. We have not won in Europe in 30 years. So this is a um, – this one will be – this one's a big one. We, You know, we, we have a good team. There's some of the tried-and-true guys like DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas probably aren't going to be on the team. And you're going to have guys like Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon who have never been on the team who are going to be on the team. But – um, this one is going to be a. This one's going to be one for the ages, I think, in terms of the Ryder Cup, because we have not won on foreign foreign soil in thirty years. Now, is that played the Lynx type of golf? Is well, that... this one is in Rome. Okay. I don't, I'm not very familiar with the golf course, but it, this one is played in Italy. Um, every other year, it switches. So, you know, in two years, it'll be back in the U.S. But this year, it is in Rome. It's the first time I ever remember it being in Italy. Are you uh, so, taking a tour uh, as Drew's I am not, unfortunately. Not. I will, I'll be watching it from the comfort of uh, the Eagle's Nest uh, dining room, probably. Oh, all right. Sounds good. <laughs> How's your game these days? Not bad. Not bad for an old guy. I'm, I'm, in the, uh, I'm competing today in the U.S. Senior Amateur Qualifier up in New Jersey. My son, Ethan, is caddying, and we're having breakfast, and getting ready to go tackle it well i appreciate you taking some time i've got just a couple minutes and i want to take advantage of having you on haven't talked to you since the controversial merger of the pga and live golf first of all did it shock the crap out of you yeah i, I think it's a good word <laughs> it definitely shocked me I, yeah. I did not see it coming um i i think now that the dust has settled on it and it's still a long way away, but yeah. now that the dust has settled on it, it's pretty obvious what precipitated the whole thing. Both parties were trying to get out of the lawsuits that they had thrown at each other. 
mm-hmm. the PGA Tour didn't does not did not and does not have the money. They don't have two hundred million dollars to just throw at a bunch of attorneys to get themselves a winning court. They they would have likely won. Uh-huh. The, the live people are zero and three in court thus far. The, the U.S. I mean the PGA Tour would have won in court, but it would have soaked them for two hundred million probably, and they they just don't have it. And the Saudis have it. But right. they even eventually realize, like, we're just giving we're just giving the money away, and we're going to lose. Right. So, um, I was surprised. I think it's still a long, long way from being a done deal. I, I, I think it was announced prematurely. I don't even think it was announced prematurely. They've, they've both sort of said it was announced prematurely. Right. Right. They don't have any of the fine print figured out. You know, they just had to go. Um, testify before the Department of Justice for some antitrust violations. You know, the most interesting thing of all was Liv filed a bunch of lawsuits against the PGA Tour claiming that they were building Monopoly, and then they went and eight months later turned around and said, why don't we join up with you and become a Monopoly? Right. So, right. so that's kind of where they got in the hot water. Yeah. Yeah. So that once the Department of Justice got involved, you know, now they're, now they're really under the gun legally. And I, I think it's a long way from being finished. All right. Well, well, we'll we'll follow that story and continue to talk with you about it. Drew, before I let you go, are you paying any attention to the Women's World Cup? A little bit. I, I saw the other – I did see the first half the other night. They, they were up 2 nothing. It looked looked like they could have won 5 nothing or 6 nothing if they wanted to. I don't think this team is as strong as they've been – well, they're not as strong as they've been in the past. Um, I think it's going to be a fight for them to win. I don't think this is nearly the the done deal that it was the you know the last mm-hmm. time they won or any of the previous times when they've clearly been the best team. I think they're in for a fight in this one. They're older. Their best players are mostly older. Um, the rest of the world is kind of caught up to us a little bit. It looks like to me. So I am following it. Um, I think they're in for a tough one on Wednesday against the Dutch. I think that one's going to be a very difficult match for them. All right. Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com. He writes every day of the week. He's got something up there fresh and delicious for sports fans out there. Enjoy the day out there with your son, Ethan, and uh, we'll talk soon, Drew. Appreciate you. See you, Stan. All right, buddy. All right. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on a new Tacoma from your local Toyota dealer today. And go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at pressboxonline.com slash offers. And uh, we'll be right back. Uh, with more of uh, Glenn Clark Radio Show for a Monday, July the 24th, right after this. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. 
Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All Electric Tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to Easy Pass, pay-by-plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? We are back. Um... I don't get the humor in that in that ad at all. Well, if you need more Glenn, yeah. If you, what's wrong with you anyway? Yeah. Well, now, was that I, Paul too? That was that was Paul Valley. Paul Valley. Uh, Paul, Paul Valley's been doing a great job of doing all of our rejoiners for yeah. about a about a year now. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are back on the Glenn Clark Radio Program. Stan the fan, along with uh, Griffin Bass, producer extraordinaire of the program, Man, and Grant Stan, DeVito, too nice. Stevenson intern, baseball aficionado. And, guys, I thought we'd uh, kick around 
uh, sort of the division races uh, and and what teams need at the wire, uh, the trade deadline. Uh, we'll start with the American League East, yeah. but let's go through it a little bit. Uh, the Orioles now have a two-game lead over Tampa. We're up six and a half over Toronto. Boston is eight and a half back, and the Yankees are eight and a half back. So the Yankees and Boston are tied for last place. Uh, are all five of these teams still in the race? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems it's very clear that they are. I mean, it, it it's it's kind of uh, it's. I mean, obviously, you never feel bad for the Red Sox or the Yankees, but it's like they, they would be in first place in the American League Central, and it makes it 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 it's kind of it it feels really awkward just the way it just the way it's playing out and it's very the Orioles have been very fortunate that they've played so well against not I mean they just proved it in division won three of four in Tampa Bay and out of the division they they're winning all the games that they need to they've obviously you know fans are gonna you know complain about those 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 losses that they have on the margins but they for the large part all season they have done very well in one run games they've done very well against the teams that they're supposed to be sweeping the Royals, you know, a couple, well, I guess that was a, over a month ago now. But, if, uh, along, uh, yeah. Aside from the one game against the Dodgers, they hung on tight against them too. Mm-hmm. The Monday game was a, a, a two-run deficit. That was the gut-wrenching game. That's the game Baker gave up the grand slam mm-hmm. home. Yeah, run. right down the are, middle. Are you guys convinced you like the way that they're using Grayson Rodriguez? Is that the best – is that the best use of his talents right now in a starting rotation role on a team that is devoid of an ace, but he doesn't look the part of an ace. An ace is a guy that goes seven, six and two-thirds to eight eight innings. You know, He's a guy who struggles to get past five innings. Your thoughts? Grant? All right, I'll go first. Uh, so, <laughs> um, on this team, I think they are using him the way that they they have to. This, I mean, as good as the starting pitching has been in the month of July, um, I guess you know Tyler. I mean, Tyler Wells still only let up three runs uh, on one hit yesterday. Um, but as as good as the starting pitching has been this month, it's still they still need a lot of help there. They're far from you know you're not going to point at the Orioles and be like that. That is a rotation that is going to carry you through October. It can definitely get you to October but but here's the point we we'd agree that that Grayson Rodriguez as talented as he is I think it's a two-folded question you know I think it's clearly got some mm. subcontext to it because the issue is who picks up for him in the sixth inning that you're confident that he can, against the good teams is going to get you to let's just say for the sake of argument every time Grayson starts you're going to use Cano for an inning and Bautista for an inning. That's two of the innings. Who do you trust? And couldn't Cole Irvin do what Grayson does for four to five innings? Then you'd have Grayson come in to take you the sixth and the seventh innings and dominate. I mean, yeah. I, I invert that game that Grayson started on Saturday, and I'm going, yeah, Cole Irvin could have pitched four good innings. And then he could have come in, Grayson, now throwing 100. Those right. guys aren't ready for it for two innings. No. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that would, like, in a perfect world, that does seem like a really, really effective strategy that for the does. Orioles to, to employ. But the problem is, 
what we saw yesterday. Tyler Wells is he's already hit his career high mark in innings. Yeah, but pitch. I was just purely talking about yeah. Well, using well, so so well, here's the here's the other point. Grayson Rodriguez, if he's a starter, he's going to start once every five days. He's going to impact the game three times in two weeks. The way I'm suggesting using him, he could clearly be that guy when Cole Irvin pitches that would be like sort of his caddy mm-hmm. to pitch two two to two and two-thirds innings in the middle to the late innings. And he can do that twice a week when somebody else – I don't think they're using him in the most strategically favorable way. Grant, do you have a feeling on that? You seem to agree with me. I mean, it, it's it's a tough call. I mean, I, I really do want to see Grayson. You're right. He doesn't have ace stuff right now. If he's not getting past five innings without I don't staying think efficient. it's an issue of stuff. I think it's an issue of development. Yeah. He, he spent the first two years of his career – Pitching three innings every start. That yeah, that's 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 okay. what the problem is. Now, what complicated it was, in fairness to Dan Duquette and to Mike Elias, who ultimately took over, they couldn't have planned. They said, "Well, if we we do that, then when we want to start using them deeper in games, we're going to have a pandemic." Yeah. And then, oh yeah, yeah, then the following time that we're going to use them and build them up, he's going to tear his lat he's muscle. Got a lat strain. And so there's some extenuating circumstances. But he seems genuinely physically and mentally fatigued when he gets into sixth inning games. Yeah, I do start to see that. I've been I've been watching his starts. I've been following Grayson for a long time now. I, I've um I've seen you're right. I've seen that, and that that that's a red that's the red flag. That's an alarm. You want to all these years we've been really hyping him to be our next ace, but the developmental process right you can't for you can't forecast. The, the pandemic, you can't forecast a lat strain, which really killed his chances of being promoted. He would have been promoted last year without that lat strain. And he was finally pitching at AAA. He was going six innings. Some he games. was going deep into games. Yeah. And now, because of all that's happened, I guess our thought process is, oh, what if he gets hurt again? We have to put a cap on him. We have to X, Y, and Z. But, yeah. yes, he is, very, he is getting tired towards that 80-pitch mark sixth seventh inning he starts walking guys he loses touch with his fastball no it's not the sixth or seventh inning it's the fifth and <laughs> it can sixth be the fifth, innings. yes yeah and that especially that fifth inning too that's worrisome so what the developmental process is going forward i don't know what it's going to be and, and let me just jump in and ask you both further so grant sort of understands what i'm saying yeah no sort i understand of what you're saying with too. It. i understand you what you're understand saying it too. too my problem but, is but though, here's here's the other issue he, he, where's the pit, the not pitch count, the innings number that you're comfortable pitching? And the way I'm talking about using him, you could clearly parcel him out and he could still be used in the postseason. The way they're using him now, they're going to try and get 160 or 170 innings out of him. Which is unrealistic. Right, right now. yeah, that is very unrealistic. But the but this is the kind of the problem that they're faced with right now. Tyler Wells has hit his limit. And that's what I and that's what I mean when I think the Orioles are using him in the way that they need that that, that they need the most help right now. He is a starting pitcher. He's a capable enough starting pitcher that they need to use his innings right now in the starting rotation and try to help them out every fifth day because I'm not sure what they're going to do with Tyler Wells, but Tyler Wells you know he hasn't been as sharp as he was earlier in the season, and Back I think it's because relief. right. He, well, maybe we'll we'll see. What, I mean, we'll see what happens. Whether they, I don't know, if they want to throw they, him on the see, IL for see, a week. What if they did something strategically and said, 
The two guys we don't trust to go deep in games are Cole Irvin and Tyler Wells right oh, okay. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my God, let's let's alter the rotation to have them split apart a couple days and have Grayson piggyback both of them by pitching two to three innings of dominant relief. You know, instead of calling him the opener, he's yeah. the caddy he's or the whatever you want to yeah. call it. And he could fit that role really well. I mean, you're facing Cole Irvin or even Wells. I mean, Wells is like 95, 96 mile power. Cole Irvin's like 91, there, yeah. 92. Right. With eight, eight throws, he's a, he's a junk ball pitcher. He's mixing into stuff. Right. You get Grayson coming in at 98. He topped out at 101 on Monday. He's the first pitch of the ball game against the Dodgers, 101. Yeah. Not, now you got, now you got now you got to put your foot down early and, and adjust. Will hitters do that against you know a guy, a guy they haven't see them, seen before? I don't see them doing very well against him in a two to three exactly. burst. And that could mm. be that could be a, a a factor. You want to reach the postseason, you want to get in the postseason and win postseason games. There you go. He might be that that bullpen factor that They'd you need. They'd be using him the way the Rays used David Price when he yes, was in the yes, same situation. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm with you. And but the problem is, they, there's that. What's that fifth day of the rotation look like? Then? Uh-huh. So if you go Kramer, Bradish, and Gibson, you, you you expect to get full starts from them, which you know six to seven. I mean six. Yeah, six innings. Six pl- and if you get six plus, you're thrilled. Yeah, you better get six. I yeah. guess is what we should be saying. Um, but then and then so then your then your fourth day is going to be a Cole Irvin Grayson piggyback day, and then your fifth day. So what's your fifth day going to be? If I mean, and because well, this because this Tyler be, Wells thing is it would be a is, Wells like how far? Like, I mean, we talk about how comfortable we are with Grayson Rodriguez hitting his innings limit. How comfortable are we with uh, with with Tyler Wells as, as he is already past his career? Three to four innings. Knows. I'm pretty comfortable with him. Okay, and then who's picking? Who's picking up him? I mean, I Grayson. guess. Austin. In other words, I'm talking about you wouldn't have them go back, back to, to back, back in the okay. rotation. Yeah, okay. you'd have them a couple days apart. You'd have to be strategic about it. Now, this brings me up. We were supposed to go over every team, yeah. and we're stuck on the Orioles. Uh, Lee Lowenfish, by the way, the author of Baseball's Endangered Species: Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It, uh, is going to join us at eleven o'clock. Let's. Let's get to the deadline, and we're Ross and I and and Luke are going to talk about this. I'm now convinced that they do because they're not going to do what I'm suggesting. I'm convinced they really must trade for a starting pitcher and another relief pitcher. Yeah, are yeah. we all on board? I, on that? I, I'm definitely on board with that. I think it's maybe more imperative. Like I think they can scrounge up, you know, enough start whether that's you know some starter that they claim off waivers yeah. uh, I mean we just talked about Yanni Torino's hitting that could have hitting uh, yeah hitting and he can hitting start waivers. and come out of the bullpen that's a very versatile guy. right well he's up. not available now but there's got to yeah, be there's yeah. another guy that's going to be there's another guy that I'm sure will pop up and you know whether I don't know I mean who knows what the Marlins are going to do but Johnny Cueto could put potentially I'm not sure if the Marlins are going to sell now but you know there's I mean they're still in it so it's, I don't see them tough. selling yeah um well I mean if, a, if it's a guy like Johnny Cueto who knows yeah. um yeah. but uh but you know I think he looked good I, the other night. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, so, I, like, I, I can see them trying to find another starter kind of on the margins. I don't think it's going to be a big, sexy, you know, Dylan Cease or Corbin Burns. Not or, yet. Or even a Jordan Montgomery, maybe. Like, right. like I don't I don't even see that happening. But I do think they need to go. 
I don't I don't know what all in means for a reliever, but I think they need to go in and get a get a legit back end of the bullpen guy because right now I mean they have Felix Bautista and he is the best reliever in baseball right now. Yeah. And then after that you you were really even really have shaky. The same confidence level in Cano that yep. I had three four. Yeah, weeks I know. Ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. Yeah. His He's... best game in a month was the World Series and yesterday. Those were his two best innings of pitching in mm-hmm. the last month. All right. Um, do you prioritize the bullpen arm on top of the starter, or do you? And, not, and I agree with you. I don't think we're getting Corbin Burns. First of all, the players that we're talking about, other than Giolito, their their teams are in races too. I mm-hmm. mean, Milwaukee's not giving up Corbin Burns. San they, Diego said they were wanted to sell. They're they're opening to selling Blake Snell and Hader. So, Blake Snell. Blake Snell. That's surprising. Okay. Yes. I yeah. thought that's the guy you'd build around in that right. rotation. I, I can't stand his personality, but he has been pitching Snellzilla. phenomenally mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he started first, off yeah, he started off what uh, the month of April. He wasn't as great and since then he's been he's, he's been, been dialed in. Really right. Mm-hmm. Two sixty seven ERA with a one point two whip. Yeah, right. that's good. What's his length of contract control? Mm-hmm. Did he sign an he signed uh, an extension with San Diego, didn't he? He's a free agent next right. season. Oh, this he is he's a free agent yeah. at He's a free agent after this year? Not after this year, after 24. After 24. Because okay. he's being paid that... $50 million over five years right now. Okay. He's making 50 over five years? Yes. Yeah, he's so in he's the making fifth year. $10 yeah, million yeah. a year. He's an unrestricted free agent. So you got to figure in 24, okay, he's going to, after 24, he's going to get $20 million a year. Yeah. 20 well, to 23 million. He's something. well what? He's going to be 31 this next season. So he will he will be a free agent this winter. So that he would be a rental. Blake Snell would be. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Wait, Grant explained it. I thought he was a, a free agent after and, and the twenty fourth. So w- yeah, what I'm looking would, at is yeah. yeah. What I'm looking at is that he is an unrestricted free okay. agent. Okay. This right. My bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that would maybe bring the price down on him a little bit. Yeah. But again, I yeah. still but don't see. They're not going to get a lot for two months of Blake Snell, mm-hmm. unless it's a team like let's say the Yankees decide to go all in and they they they'll blow us they'll out. They'll sign yeah. him. Yeah, yeah they, they will sign him. Maybe the San Francisco Giants would, but I doubt that they'd want to trade them in the division. So, uh, interesting, interesting. Um, what reliever is on your wish list, Stan? Well, I've been pretty upfront about it, and I still would not be upset if they got two more relievers. Maybe uh, not a maybe not a top top tier guy, I'm but thinking, two middle guys. Uh, Scott Barlow is yeah. somebody I'd be very interested in, and the other guy I'm telling you is just as obscure as uh, Shintari, Shintaro Fujinami. Fujinami is Carlos Hernandez. Mm, right. And I can't find the piece that they just did like four days ago, right before we acquired Fujinami. MLB Trade Rumors had a deep dive into him. I love that. I love that website. Yeah, that that, that piece on him was great, and I can't find it now. Uh, the I breakout sur- Royals reliever sur- should draw in trade interest. What's that? Breakout, uh, breakout Ra- or Royals reliever should draw trade interest. Yes, from Steve Adams, and yeah. it yeah. makes it sound like it's going to be about Scott Barlow mm-hmm. at the beginning, but it's a deep dive, like six paragraphs on Carlos Hernandez, and it backs up exactly what I'm saying about him. Saying his stuff's similar to John Duran, Jordan Hicks, Felix Bautista. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's a potentially great arm there. Yeah, and especially and, the way the I'm Orioles not sure have developed. Kansas City views them that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the way the Orioles have developed those bullpen arms. That's why I was really excited about the Fujinami trade, even though he has had a really rough year with Oakland and obviously rough well, two appearances with the it, Orioles it, now. I, yeah, I'm, 
I'm mildly confident that he will end up panning out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a big difference. You know, we stat freaks, we like to look at the 16 games that he just has pitched where he only gave up, I think, three earned runs in 16 appearances. Yeah. Struck out 18 over 16 innings. But those games were most likely games that he entered where Oakland was behind by five runs, you know. There's a lot different. It's a lot different for a young pitcher, inexperienced, to come into games come that into, mean come nothing. Come into Tampa Bay versus yeah. coming in against Tampa Bay, battling for first place. Yeah, I, I just that was my one fear about Fujinami is he's not up to the task of pitching in a pennant race, mm. which is a, that's a risk. Yeah. It is a yeah. risk. I mean, he's young in his major league baseball career, so yeah. he, he can certainly figure it out. And hopefully, you're right. Is you know, with another, I mean, I don't want to say month because we kind of need him to figure it out now. But uh, but yeah, with another couple of weeks, hopefully, he gets a lot more comfortable pitching in. Uh, I thought it was very interesting the way Brandon brought him in the uh, the second time. Yeah, where he well, brought him in in f- after Cano. Yeah, don't you want to have him pitching in front of Cano? So the guy that's a little bit more experienced can come in and bail him out, you know, because it's at a time of the game where if he blows it, you're you're going to be tied and you're going to end up wasting relievers. Was that? Oh, yeah, that was Saturday. That was yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it was – it just didn't seem like he really had – I guess I guess the other option would have been Sino Perez, who they did eventually bring in. Um but maybe it was, you know, he just wanted he wanted to see what they what we got with this guy Fujinami, and uh, yeah, he didn't. In that instance, he did not he did not come through and live up to it. Um, but I guess it panned out because they did end up winning Saturday. So you, you can't you can't right. you can't blame him too much, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, Fujinami, I'm I, I'm excited to see how they kind of develop him over the next couple of weeks. How long of a leash I guess the Orioles really give him. Uh, you know, given obviously the stake of these games, but also, you know, how shallow the bullpen is currently right now. Because you have Bautista and then Coulomb and Cano you're pretty confident in, Bauman you're pretty confident in, and then after that it's a, it's a very big drop-off, uh, yeah. even after the drop-off from Bautista. Mm-hmm. I like some of the names, looking at the stats and stuff right now. I like some of the reliever names on the Angels right now. I don't know. Now, obviously, we don't know if they're going to sell it out and try and make a push. But do you look at maybe like a Carlos Estevez, uh, 41 games, 2-3 ERA. Again, Matt Moore even. I mean, a little older, but, you know, left-handed option. Well, Matt Moore would be a terrific option. Uh-huh. I don't see the Angels trading Carlos Estevez. No. They've got him now. Uh, you know, they, they acquired him to be their closer for the the few years All to right, come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But somebody like Matt Moore even would, would Matt Moore really would nice. be a terrific option to pick up. You again, know? again they, yeah. you wouldn't have to give up an arm no, and a leg for him. You know, if there's an you ex- look ex- what we yeah. gave up for Fujinami, that was not a particularly Easton expensive Lucas, yeah. ask. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody like you could said, maybe like a John Rhodes or a, I don't know, even like a Billy Cook in return for a rental like Loop. Not, not Loop, Matt Moore, somebody else out there. Loop even. wouldn't be terrible. You know, I've always wondered what Loop could do with the uh, with a good with that left field wall in Baltimore. He's not going to give up much no. much in the way of home runs. That's a weird arm angle too. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy. So Loop or Moore would be good for me. Again, know? will they want to sell them? I don't know because that all depends on what happens here in the next week or so. They've got know. bigger fish to fry. The yeah, besides. Angels, you know, besides, they're going to yeah. decide. What do you think they'll decide with Otani? I think, uh, I mean, 
I, I don't think anyone's really, going to yeah. give up what they what they expect and should. Get oh, they want for everything. Him. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to give that up. So I feel like he plays out the season Re- yeah, with I, the Angels. I know. And as, as unfortunate as it is for the Angels, realistically, I think the right move is to let him go, let him trade, not, not let him walk in free agency, but let him trade well, him. I mean, Trout's yeah. on the IL until I, I a think few more they got to go. I think they got to go all in and try. And you know, the Angels have kind of proven that they will go all in and try to sign these these big time guys. And uh, I think that's what they got to do. And they might end up losing, um, but I think they. I think they so have. I don't, think they have a choice. I don't think they have a choice. If you lose them, all you get is a draft pick. Mm-hmm. I I don't see them gambling with that. So I you think, see. So you think they do? I think they, you they, think they tr- make a move. I, here's what I think. I think they try and trade them to the San Francisco Giants oh. because the Giants have the money and the capability of re-signing him. So that way, you're dealing with a team that's going Confident to give that you. Can. That's going to give you the most you can possibly get. They'll cry, poor. Well, we don't know that we can sign them, so we'll only give up these two players. And then the bottom line is they'll extract the most from the San Francisco Giants. So in that case, someone like Kyle Harrison's going the opposite way, or Marco Luciano, Luis Matos. Yes, yeah. you Good. guys know that yeah. better than I do. Yeah. I'm not up on the Giants' prospects right now. Yeah, I saw although Harrison's there. pretty. Yeah, I mean he's a great prospect. He would be. I think the they way. could get him in a deal because I think the Giants look. They made a run at Judge. They made a serious run yeah. at Judge. They were willing to pay the price. Arson Judge. They, they know what this guy is worth. He's worth fifty-five million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You might want to get the five Probably million more. dollar I mean, discount by saying, "Well, we can't pay you sixty million because we can't afford two thirty million dollar players." Oh, but two twenty-seven and a half million. We'll give you $55 million for yeah, five and, years. And it seems like he enjoys the West Coast. Shohei enjoys the West Coast. Yeah, I think he'd and, love San Francisco. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, he likes that California sort of feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think his heart is in becoming a Dodger, but I think he could quickly change his heart uh, and play for San Francisco. So that's my my thought. I think they do trade him. I, I don't yeah, think there's okay. a I'm world in which Artie Marino is going to pay a player $60 million. Yeah. Really? After I mean, after you know, going all in on Rendon and pool holes, and I mean, obviously, yeah, and look never what he got. Out. Look what he's gotten. Well, why is he? I mean, he, well, he keeps doing. Gotten, look what he's gotten out of pool holes after five years. He, the last five years were, were terrible. Yeah. Look what he got out of Josh Hamilton after about a year and a half. He nothing. got nothing, and now he sees it with Rendon. So you think he's I learning think his lesson? He, I feel like he's not learning his lesson. He's just I, like one of these is going to hit. I. Th- I think, he, first of all, I think he's a pretty terrible owner. You know, from everything I <laughs> well, read. Well, cl- yeah, I mean, clearly they have not had a winning season. Numbers, they're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't had a winning. They have the two best players in baseball. And, and they can't win. Yeah. So, uh, would you like, do you think now's a good time to take a break, Stan? We can take a break. All right. We'll be joined by Lee Lowenfish momentarily. Uh, he, he's written a new book, uh, Baseball's Endangered Species Inside the Craft of Scouting by those who lived it. We'll talk with Lee Lowenfish when we get back on the Glenn Clark Radio Show. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay 
stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 gambler Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, thanks, Lee. Putting you through the stand now. And we're back on the Glenn Clark Radio Show. Stan the Fan Charles along with Griffin Bass and uh, Grant DeVito. I remembered that. DeVivo. 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 There it is. No relation to Danny DeVito. No. <laughs> I always tell people if they want to remember my, my last name, just think of it as Danny DeVito, but you just take that T out for a V. Okay. So. But it's DeVivo. Yes. See, I wrote it down as DeVito. D-E-V-I-D-O. All right. All now good. I got it maybe right. That, maybe that's, that's your nickname, finally. We finally got our nickname for Grant. <laughs> All right. You're listening to Glenn we'll Clark, Clark Radio week. Program, and we'll let you know real quick that Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from seven legal online sports books Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing 
She's a whiz. It's phony. Let me start that again. Doesn't everyone know that you're on air right now, Stan? It's my phone. It's it's me. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. All right. A sure bet is if you're a baseball fan, you will love this book, the new book written by my friend and former professor at UMBC back in the early 70s. That means he and I are both old. That's Lee Lowenfish, who's written Baseball's Endangered Species, Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It. That's Lee Lowenfish. Lee, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with the glow of uh, being, you know, I, my life is uh, uh, enhanced by the fact that I am 23 games over 500. I never expected it. I'm a little upset with the MLB extra innings package because I couldn't see the game yesterday. Uh, I called up and they evidently was Bally Sports in Tampa Bay, and that doesn't work with MLB, but. I was following things on my phone and, and, you know, the Orioles were great when I first met you because they had a really good scouting and player development uh, department. I mean, you can't win without those two groups being on the same page. And, uh, and so now it looks like uh, I have been critical and impatient about what uh, the group in charge now was doing, but I have no complaints. I, I hope they can, can finish the deal and uh and it's really great to to be alive and happy and hopeful at this time of year if you're an Orioles fan refresh my memory lee why you're from new york you know you live there now you've lived there back i I think you've probably lived there the last 40 years or so correct more well the thing my first teaching job out of grad school was uh baltimore i taught at goucher And that's where I first got to see the Orioles regularly. And then uh, and and when I started uh, getting into them, you know, they had a great record against the Yankees starting. And I've never been a Yankee fan. I've 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 respect them. And certainly one of the largest chapters in my new book is a testament to their scouting department, which was tremendous. You know, they had the advantage of Rupert's mother. money and and a lot of kids wanted to play for the Yankees but they had to make the right choices and they so, did so, you know? my, so my question but, really was yeah. what what caused you to root for the Orioles George Steinbrenner didn't own the Yankees yet did he when you started no, rooting for no, the Orioles I mean and I yeah no and I know a lot of you know principal baseball fans who liked the that the uh, the Yankees because of you know, they had Lazari and then DiMaggio for the Italian American fan, and that that was pretty rare at the time. But no, I the Orioles uh, even before Weaver, or actually I got to I think I got to to Baltimore just about the same time Earl Weaver did. He he arrived maybe a month before me, and uh, and then I got to know him a little bit. I think one of the great moments of my life as a writer was I met Rifkin, um, I met Weaver in uh, spring training 
and my first book had come out about the reserve system and how unfair it was to most players. And then I gave a copy of the book to Phil Itzo, who was the uh, press secretary at the time. The next yeah, he was day, a tra- he was a traveling Lever. he was a traveling secretary. Exactly. Yeah. And and I met I met Weaver the next day and I said, Did you get my book? And he said, Oh, you mean Broken Diamond? Because the cover of the first edition had a picture of of, of a uh, of an infield that was separated because it was, you know, players versus owners. Right. And 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 I couldn't believe Weaver had started to read the book. And he, he tells Cal Ripken Sr., can you believe Connie Mack and Clark Griffiths were in unions when they started? And actually, the American League called itself, you know, the Rebellious League because they broke away from the National League monopoly. So, I, you know, I've followed this as both a a subject to study and as a passion in my life for far more than half my life. And being an Oriole fan, and a team that held the Yankees at bay, those are two very powerful life forces in me, Stan. And so I stayed through all these bad years, even, you know, calling them the Wowry, the, the Warrioles in recent years. But but now they are the Warrioles. And, and uh, you know, obviously we need a little more help in the lineup and also uh, in the in the bullpen, but I mean, it's really been a great run so far. Yeah, it really has. It really has. So let's dig in a little bit to this newest book, Baseball's Endangered Species, uh, Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who who Lived It. Um, you, you, you started out, I'm sure, like any author, you started out with an idea where it would go, but you didn't know exactly where it would go. Are you ultimately a modernist or an old timer, or do you see the wisdom in both sides? Well, I call myself a lively dinosaur, and 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 I think I emphasize the the lively. You know, my prior book was a big book on Branch Rickey, and that's where I got really into scouting and deeply into it. I, I had met scouts before I got into the Rickey book, but getting in into that, meeting some of his scouts and meeting his family. I mean, he, he was all about player development and, and, and he always stressed that the, uh, his farm system, which existed in very rudimentary form before he started building it with the Browns before world war one. And then after with the Cardinals, I mean, he always said you needed the tryout. Uh, the tryout camp was the father of the of the uh, farm system, because you only learn this game by playing and and losing and then winning. And and I mean, I think so. In that sense, I'm an old guard person. But but I'm sure if Ricky were alive and he died in 1965 well almost poetically giving a speech on on courage spiritual and physical if he were alive today i mean he would love all the new information but and this is the big but he would never uh, become hostage to all this this stuff about uh, you, you have to have this amount of launch angle and you can't go through a lineup three times and all these these shibboleths that that drive me crazy, but but I, I'm glad to see that the winning teams, uh, you'll mix them both. 
and and I mean, you know, I'm I'm ready to to wear a James McCann uh, T-shirt, you know, for the way he can bunt and move runners and call a good game, you know. So I've never uh, seen so somebody. I, yeah, so I so I certainly lean toward the old guard, but I always into new information. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a new information. It's pretty amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Let's let's dig into the Orioles for just a second before we get back into the book. Where do you prior prioritize Grant and uh, Grant and Griffin? And I just batted around what the club's biggest need is. Where do you come down on their biggest need? Is it a, another relief arm or two, or a starter or an offensive piece? Well, it's a very good question, and and I also I mean, and I'm. Very, I don't think they need to do too much. I I would hate, uh, I would hate to break up uh, the the, the uh, seeming glut, uh, uh, you know. And I, I think Brandon Hyde, who is clearly manager of the year right now, he I I believe him that he he loves the challenge of you know putting fourteen thirteen regulars into a game every night. But you know I'm certainly concerned about Hayes' slump right now. I don't think he's slumped in the outfield, and that's important because he's really a very good outfielder. And Mountcastle's been hitting the ball harder, but over the long haul, I mean, you, know, my, you know, I don't know where Mountcastle's Mount head is in, in a lot of the time. And it's interesting; he's giving Santander more more uh, time at first base, you know, because that should be a signal. But so, but you can't use uh, uh, Bautista and, and Cano every, every time. So I think they're going to go to a, to a bullpen piece and you got to be a little concerned about the last two starts of Wells. But, you know, I think a, a, a multi-inning guy in the bullpen, uh, is is where they should go and probably right-handed, but but if they don't, if they do even minor stuff, uh, you should not be hostage to to the media building up uh, the oh the August we're going to have a special show uh, hours before the deadline, and then then the next day they're going to say well <laughs> you know they'll grade who made moves and who didn't make moves so. Uh, I don't think they need to do much, but I would put I would put the bullpen and a reliable arm uh, in there. You know, uh, so, I also so think that, I, yeah. I also think they need to be creative here, and maybe one of the ways they could skin this cat is maybe you acquire a starter and move Wells to the bullpen, uh, and and thereby save him a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see how yeah. it plays out. I want to get back. And you to- have Irvin there too, you yeah. know. So they've really uh, they're they're well situated as long as they as long as they stay healthy. And I gather Mullins is going to be out for a while, I, uh, and that's a shame because yeah. he's such a great story. You know, thirteenth yeah. round draft pick. You know, yeah. uh, who. And and you know th- that's where we can uh, we can enjoy this and enjoy it every day. And and you know there are a lot of Oriole stories that that filter through my book because I I met Bertie Tavis when he was scouting for the Orioles uh, right. toward the end of his career, and he's the one that that pushed for scouts in the Hall of Fame, and he had he thought he could push it through as a member of the Veterans Committee, but as I say early in in the book that scouts have never. 
uh, uh, tooted their own horn, and they were almost they were almost they were almost always instructed, you know, don't you know you're you represent the organization, not yourself. And so their stories haven't been told before in in one volume, and that's what I tried to do in in Baseball's Endangered Species. So getting back to the book, um, are do you come away with the the modernists, and I'm calling Mike Elias kind of a modernist mostly, do they dislike uh, scouts and what they bring to the table, or is it merely a cost factor that they think they can do it more efficiently the way they're doing it now, where scouts aren't necessarily at the ballpark, they're simply watching games? Well, it's a good question, and and I hate to to give you the uh, the easy out in that it really depends on the general manager. I mean, he comes out of a, he was a, a so-so player at the, at Yale. Uh, and, and so many of these guys come out of the Ivy leagues or the business schools and, and they think they have the, the answers and, and, and they've sold it to a lot of the owners who come out of the hedge fund business and and they're all about efficiency too right so and i i argue that the more you play this game uh under the less stressful but certainly competitive minor league situation the better you are going to be when you arrive you know and and but but clearly a lot elias learned something from from madal and and uh the banished lou uh now uh when he was there with where you know with the with the Cardinals and the Astros. Yeah, no question about it. Lee, what's the one thing in the book that you came away knowing that you didn't know before you dug in to write this book? Uh well I I I again it's a very good question. Well certainly I didn't expect when I started to to, to give basically a uh a Valentine to the, to the Yankee scouts, but they were so good and they knew and they, they took risks, you know? And so Critchell, when I'm asked, you know, who should go into to the hall of fame as a scout, if they ever do it, Critchell would be high up there because, uh, I mean, they, they were paternalistic in, in the best sense. You know, he signed Garrick after seeing him in two colleges, uh, you know, playing against Rutgers and then act, Columbia, and then when you know Garrett started slow in the minor leagues, he went up there and and had a heart to heart with him. And the great scouts have always done that. And you know, and it was held against Ricky when he was running Brooklyn. But when he believed in a player, uh, he would fly to the minor leagues, you know, on the company dollar to to make sure the kid wasn't homesick. Because the fact is, man, when you get into this sport, I mean, it's a much uh, you have to. Uh, it's not only so hard to play it on the field because every day is different, but you're, you're away from home. It does things to your coconut, you know? Uh, I mean, you know, McCann had a great line after he put down that bunt on Saturday night about, you know, it was either putting it down or not feel good tomorrow. And, <laughs> you know, you want, that's what you're looking for. And so I think in general, I, I had an inclination that that makeup was important, but now, uh, uh, if there's one moral from my book, is that makeup is the sixth tool, and and if you don't have a good guess on what the player's going to be when he has 
bad times because they're going to come. The game, the game is designed to to beat you up, and uh, and how you respond to that is the key. And and uh, a system has got to understand that, and uh, and they are usually you know the winning systems. And you know I was in Baltimore a little bit last week, you know, talking about the book at the Bay Group Museum, and I saw that game in the rain or the fortunately that the game didn't wasn't rained out. And I mean, you, you know, look at what the Dodgers have done and, and look at, at the guys without the big batting averages. I mean, you know, look how they still hit the ball like Muncie and even Austin Barnes, you know, almost, almost, you know, hit it out of the yard when, it was batting under a hundred. So, you know, this, this is, uh, as one of the great scouts told me, I just spoke to him yesterday. He's retired. Mike told me to me, he said, you really scout when you, they, when the moment they leave the bus and it's true, you know, but it's harder today because they're all wearing headsets and, and, you know, they're, and maybe you've got to watch out for the guy who's, who's, uh, who's, uh, who's got the most expensive headset on, you know, but, but, but makeup if, again is so important. And, and, and the more you get clues about it, you know, the better. Did you talk to Mike Elias for this book? No, I mean, the book was in the making for years right? and I never, I mean, I, I, I treasure the times I, I, uh, I met, uh, Hank Peters and I don't know if you remember, uh, 40 years ago now, it's going to be the anniversary. It'll be 40 years in November. I spoke on a panel, and it was just a couple of months before the Colts left in the middle of the night for Indianapolis. And I was at a panel representing the players' a position on why the reserve system had to be had to be changed. And I was on with Ron Shapiro, and opposite, in a very informative, you know, non-hostile mm-hmm. evening, was Hank Peters and Ernie Acorsi, uh, who, uh, I mean, Ernie, I consider one of my dear friends now. And, and, and he's, and Hank, I got to know before he passed and, uh, and it was Hank and, and then Jack Dunn, the third, who I got to know, uh, earlier, even it was Jack Dunn who quoted uh, Ernie, uh, Eddie, Acaro, uh, 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 the jockey, Eddie, Acaro had that great line about, it's hard to get up early in the morning when you're wearing silk pajamas. And I didn't believe that at first, but that nowadays with the insane amount of money being thrown out there and, you know, no one's going bankrupt. So uh, most of the people who get the most angry about this, if they were in that position, they would, they would want even more, but it it's, it's human nature. If you are a, uh, uh, if you're living such a good life, uh, it's very hard to remember where you came from, you know, and, uh, it certainly, it certainly affected Lindor in New York, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm glad I'm not an emotional man because I mean, Cohn is now getting invested in these guys and that's not the way you run. I mean, he's invested, he's invested with his money, but, but he's now investing psychologically and that that's bad news, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, but, very, uh, but what, you know, the Mets are coming to, to uh, 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 the Orioles yeah. will have a, there'll be the battle of the payrolls and not too long in, in Baltimore. So the, the, the most hopeful thing about this Oriole team is that, you know, they seem to have the great 
mindset. Every day is different, a new challenge, and we'll just we'll just keep keep moving on, you know. What's and your, let's what's, what's let's your, enjoy it, yeah. you know, because you know the arbitration's coming up, and you know I don't know how how many of our veterans will keep, yeah. but we've got a very low payroll, so uh, if if they stay healthy and happy. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm very very enjoyed. I'm in a good mood right now. All right. Uh, the book is Baseball's Endangered Species: Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It. Lee, how is the book doing so far? Well, I've had I did it. Uh, it's hard to tell with an academic press because they don't they don't send you uh, any information until late in the first year. But I've done I did a lot of interviews and. Uh, I did a nice piece at the time with Rob Dibble up there in Hartford, and I hope to make a uh, another appearance. And you know, the last chapter of the book it, it really worked out in, in a bittersweet because the woman scout who was very involved with the Yankees uh, in this in pushing for Anthony Volpe, and we have two pictures in the book of her and Volpe. Uh, she passed away of a brain tumor oh uh, at the age of forty-four, and there'll be every year. There is a uh, a game now, the Kelly Rodman Memorial uh, game, and and it it pits high school uh, players and college prospects. They they have a clinic, and it's run. The program is run by Yankee and Red Sox area scouts. So and and because they just they want to teach the game the right way, and I think I'm going to get up to Worcester at the end of the last Friday uh, in August when they're going to have. Uh, uh, this game at Polar Park, and and so you know, it's just an example of the game renews itself, and that uh, and that if you understand how hard it is to play, and yet what a challenge and a thrill it is to play well for a time, you know, you know, we're always going to have some kind of baseball, you know. All right. He's Lee Lowenfish. Lee, uh, you're a dear friend, and uh, it's amazing. I've known you for probably over 50 years now. Yeah, amazing. well, um, I tend to be here a little longer. I and, know you'll be here. And so good health, time. you know, the, there is no wealth but life. You know, that's one of the greater quotes I've ever heard. And and I uh, and the other one that I close my blogs with, you know, stay, stay positive and test negative, you know. Sounds good. So, you know. Lee, thank you for joining us today. All right. And you go be over. well and. Yeah, okay, have, yeah, have, have a good one. All right. He's Lee Lowenfish. Again, the book, Baseball's Endangered Species, Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It. It's a Nebraska press book, and uh, it's getting some good buzz in the industry. Interesting to talk to Lee Lowenfish again. Uh, we've got Scott Lauper coming up from the Philly Inquirer. He's going to help us break down the Philly season, which has been a – Mixed bag, to say the least, up in Philadelphia. Um, but thought I'd talk a little bit. I've got a couple minutes to just chat, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Orioles have 31 home games left. They've got three against the Yankees to end out this month before we go to Toronto. Then they come back and play three against the New York Mets and three against the Astros. We then go in a crucial nine-game West Coast swing to Seattle, San Diego, and Oakland before coming home for three, six, nine, 
nine games between the two, Blue Jays, Colorado, and the White Sox. That's a that's a bit easier stretch after Toronto leaves playing Colorado and the White Sox. We then open the month of uh, of September. We go to Arizona for three, the Angels for three, and back to Boston. That's weird. It's a hell of a trip. That's a weird trip coming like just about two weeks after another West Coast three, a three yeah. city West Coast string. But the Orioles come home after Arizona, LA, and Boston to play St. Louis and then Tampa for the last four times we'll play them in the regular season. We then go to Houston for three, Cleveland for four, and then home against the Washington Nationals for two, and the Boston Red Sox close out the season. But 31 home games left in the season. You think the Orioles could draw a million fans in those 31 games? So, all right, so get so to get a million, they're, what, what do they have to average? That would be, that would be like uh, 31 or 32,000 fans average. Uh, I mean, that seems really ambitious. Yeah, it'd be about 32,000. Wait a minute, what's that? Yeah, I mean, coming up against the Yankees, they'll do a good job drawing fans for yeah, that. They should. Yeah, it would help if they got like plus 30 a game. Yeah, these three against the Yankees. I I don't think I don't think so. I think in September they should probably they'll probably have some really nice crowds for those last two home stands. Yeah, yeah. I think September will have some really nice home stands. The weekends in August, but I think the weekdays here in August I think are going to just be too shallow. Unfortunately, you know. So Baltimore proved me wrong, you know, and uh, and go get out there. But I don't think. Yeah, I mean, who knows? You you, what do you think, Stan? I think there's an outside chance that Baltimore is going to catch some pennant fever and and exceed what they've done, at least uh, in August. You know, they've got a nice month in August. They play six, nine, 12. They play 15 home games in August. They draw 30,000 a game. That would be 450,000 of the million. So with 16 left to go, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Interesting. Interesting to talk about. Scott Lauber is going to join us in just a minute uh, to chat about the Philadelphia Phillies season. And it's certainly, Grant, been a mixed bag, hasn't it? Yeah, big drop off um, from, what was it, last season when they were the defending uh, National League champions. And this year, well, it's been a bit of a different story. Uh, Pulling it up now. This is funny. I just pulled up to go be able to talk about it. I pulled up MLB.com, which last time I pulled it up had standings. Now it doesn't have standings. I got it. So I well, got ESPN.com. They're only, only half a game behind the uh, wild card race, behind the Giants, Diamondbacks, and Reds. But still, big, big underperformance from what was was you know considered last year's one of their better seasons. You know, after they fired Joe Girardi and got um. Their, their new their new skipper in there, Rob Thompson. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, just certainly not what we thought. I, I certainly thought they would just blow everybody away this year again. I mean, you got a big lineup there, too, with Schwarber. Uh, Castellanos is having a tremendous year. But, again, part of it was missing Bryce Harper early on. Uh, there's a piece there that's missing. Uh, you, and you, they miss, of course, Reese Hop- Hoskins. Oh, yeah, that's been the big question. Is for, and that's what I was wondering, too, is who's going to take over at first? All right. Joining us now is Philadelphia Phillies uh, writer, Scott Lauber. Scott, how are you, my friend? Doing well. How are you? Good. Still things going well at the Inquirer, one of the great newspapers in America? 
They are. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're very, uh, we're very fortunate. So yeah, it's, uh, everything's going well here. Tell us a little bit about the Philly season. Looks like winning the division is good bit out of reach. They're, uh, what are they? 11 and a half games behind the Braves. But after that, it looks like the Phillies will be in a battle for a wild card spot. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, they got off for, uh, I want to say, 25 and 32 with their low point. Very similar uh, pattern, very similar path to last year. You know, last year they started out 22 and 29. They fired their manager. Uh, they really turned it around in June and then through the summer. Uh, they clinched the final wild card spot in game 160, um, you know, two days before the end of the season. And then for them, it was a matter of getting in. And once they get in, uh, they're a dangerous team because of the way they're built. I mean, they're a very star-driven roster, very star-laden team. Those are teams that tend to do well in a short postseason tournament. Um, and so for them, the challenge was getting in. And, and this year has followed a lot of the same path. I mean, except for the managerial switch, they didn't do that this time around. Uh, they started slow. They turned it on in June, had a very good month of June. Uh, and of late, there's been a little bit of up and down, you know, win four, lose four, that kind of thing. But they're playing a lot better. They feel like they're in good position to win a wild card spot again. They'd like to do that sooner this year than later. They'd like to not have it go to the last series of the year but they still feel like they're the kind of team that if they can get in, they can make some noise and do some damage with some of the players they have, whether that's Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola at the top of their rotation. They like their rotation in general, but those two at the top, or with the lineup that they have with Bryce Harper and Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Trey Turner, who's not had a good first year here in Philadelphia. They think that he'll be better the last two months. So they've got the kind of team that they think can do damage if only they can get in. If you prioritize what the club needs as we're, what, like a little over a week before the deadline, do you think Dave Dombrowski, who is a usually a pretty aggressive, uh, proactive uh, mover of talent, do you think they need pitching help, bullpen help, or is it another offensive piece? Well, they've told teams that, that they're looking for two things. Uh, they're looking for a right-handed hitter and uh, essentially someone to replace Reese Hoskins, who they lost late in spring training to an ACL injury. He's out for the year. Yeah. They they really haven't replaced that bat. And they feel like they can do that now in the outfield because Bryce Harper started playing first base over the weekend in Cleveland. He looked really good over there. He looked really comfortable. And so their knowledge of the fact that he can do this now and feels comfortable at first base kind of opens up left field for them. They'd like to get Kyle Schwarber out of left field. Um, he's had a rough year defensively. He's not moving around real well out there. So they'd like to kind of turn him into more of a full-time DH and then get some help in left field, preferably a right-handed bat with some power. So, you know, you think about some of the names that could be out there if the Angels decide to move some of their expiring contracts, someone like Hunter Renfro may be available. Mm -hmm. If the Red Sox decided to do that, and I don't know that they will, a guy like Adam Duvall could be available. They could look to the Mets, who look like they're out of it, and maybe Tommy Pham fits the Phillies. So that's the kind of an outfield piece that they're looking for, guy who bats from the right side, preferably, who can go out and play left field on an almost daily basis. And then the other thing that they're looking for is starting pitching depth. 
Not so much, um, you know, a guy who's, who's you're going to give the ball to to pitch in the postseason or to make big postseason starts, but you know they've got four starters that they like in Wheeler, Nola, Ranger Suarez, and Taiwan Walker. Christopher Sanchez has come along and really kind of stabilized the fifth spot in the rotation. So they don't look at it as like something that is urgent, urgent, a real pressing need. But if something were to happen to one of their top four in particular, they don't have a depth behind that. So they like to get kind of a back-end starter who can make them deeper. The problem there is that, you know, as you know, when you get out there in the, in the pitching market at the trade deadline, you're paying a lot. There's a, lot, a big return even for back-of-the-rotation guys. So, you know, last year they were in a very similar position, and they wound up getting Noah Syndergaard at the very end, uh, very late on deadline day. And they did things around that, not knowing if they were going to get the starter that they wanted. So I could see them maybe adding a bullpen piece here if it helps strengthen the, the, rotate, the, uh, the pitching staff as a whole or doing something more creative. But I think they'd really like to come out of the deadline with a right-handed hitter and a back-end starter. Would Rich Hill of the Pirates fit the bill for them? He might. You know, I mean, he fits the description of a, of a back-end guy, a guy who's reliable, a guy who can help. Um, and, and maybe he can help get you there. And then if you need somebody to make a postseason start, you know, Syndergaard made a couple of starts in the postseason last year, but, you know, they really ride those top four. You know, they remember well that down the stretch last year, Zach Wheeler missed a month with kind of like a minor yeah. uh, elbow uh, thing. And if that were to happen again with any of their top four starters, like I said, they're really in a bind. So, yeah, sure. I mean, a guy like that, maybe, you know, Michael Lorenzen from the mm-hmm. Tigers kind of fits that description. So there are going to be guys out there. It's just a matter of matching up on a deal that makes sense for a pitcher who, you know, I, I – say it's a luxury item it's really not it's more than that but it's also not like a real pressing need because they think that if they have full health in their rotation that that they'd be fine uh it's just a matter of uh insuring yourself really against an injury or something happening down the stretch tell me a little bit about the orioles are up there for three games and we're going to miss nola and wheeler we get walker tomorrow night He's had an interesting season, and of late, he's really turned it on, hasn't he? He has, yeah. I mean, his first six weeks were were really not very good, and, and it was a head-scratcher for the Phillies and for him because he was healthy. He kept saying he was healthy, and it would have almost made more sense if he wasn't because he really wasn't pitching well. And uh, he did sort of turn things around in June as much as the rest of the team did. You know, it's funny because to hear him talk about it, he talked about, you know, making some changes to his between starts routine, doing things like, believe it or not, like taking ground balls on the infield or or playing first base during infield practice, running in the outfield, doing things that um, maybe loosened him up a little bit more. Um, He's an athlete. He always has been wherever he's been. And uh, he wanted to kind of feel more athletic. He was feeling too uh, too stiff. uh, he was having trouble kind of getting himself um, into, you know, rounding kind of into shape, I suppose. And some of that may have to do with the fact that he went to the World Baseball Classic. He pitched for Team Mexico. And it was interesting because Mexico wound up going to the the, metal, the, the semifinal round, and they were an inning away from the final. They had a lead in the ninth. They lost to Japan. Taiwan Walker would have pitched the final against the U.S. Instead, he ends up going back to spring training 
and there was a couple of extra day lag time and then pitches in a, a couple of Grapefruit League games before they break camp. And he really doesn't have the sort of normal spring training that he would have had. He had a couple of eight or 10 day breaks between starts and spring training, and that wasn't normal for him. So maybe that was somewhat of a, of a, of a factor in him early in the season. But you're right, he's really kind of um, he's really kind of given them more of what they've expected as a middle of the rotation guy the last month or six weeks or so, and it's been it's been a big difference for them. Now we saw Wednesday's starter for the Phillies is Ranger Suarez. We saw him a good bit in the postseason last year, but tonight's starting pitcher uh, is going to go up against Dean Kramer at Citizens Bank at six forty uh, is uh, Christopher Sanchez. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so he's a left-hander. Um, he uh, he's he's a guy who, for a few years now, they've looked at as sort of a depth piece uh, in their rotation—a guy to go to AAA and be one of the first call-ups if they need somebody. And it really has never totally clicked. He had big-time control problems earlier this year in AAA. You look at his his numbers, and there were some games there with five walks. There was a game with seven walks, and. They were really searching for a while in May in particular and, and June and early June for somebody to come in and kind of claim that number five spot. They they went into the season thinking it might be Andrew Painter, who's yeah. you know, twenty year old top prospect and he was sort of the leading candidate to grab that last spot in the rotation. And he got hurt in spring training and it turns out he's probably gonna need Tommy John surgery. Um, but, you know, when he went down it felt to kind of barely falter. He was he's another lefty depth guy. He didn't really get the job done. They went with an opener for a while in the fifth spot. Um, they were really kind of searching. And Sanchez came up in the middle of June, and he's pitched pretty well. I mean, look, it's not a super high bar for them, for their number five starter. They want a guy who's going to keep them in a the game for five innings. Uh, he's done that. Uh, he's actually been better than that. He's pitched better than kind of that, that low bar that they've set. But really what they're looking for is five quality innings from him, get through a lineup twice, keep him in the game, keep him close. And he does it with a sinker, and he does it with um, a change-up that he's kind of added recently. So he's kind of been a bit of a revelation for them. He's certainly stabilized the fifth spot in the rotation. And as I said, they're still on the lookout for depth pieces, depth starters, and maybe it ends up booting him to a kind of like a long man, number six starter kind of role. But um, he has helped them since he's been there, and he's a guy who... You know, it's going to be interesting to see. He's got another probably two starts or so before the deadline. If he pitches well tonight, if he pitches well his next time out, which I think would be Sunday, uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, if that changes, um, you know, their their desire to bring in an extra pitcher here before uh, August 1st. Hey, uh, Scott, before we let you go, uh, normally I, I wouldn't ask a question of you about this, but knowing Dave Dombrowski the way I have for years – He's a pretty shrewd guy and a pretty creative guy. Do you see any way, shape, or form that the Phillies could be in the Otani hunt in the next week, or is it just out of the question? No, you're, you're right about Dombrowski. Um, I've covered him since 2015. I used to cover the Red Sox and um, covered his first few years there. So now I've known him for a while, and he is definitely a wheeler dealer. He is yep. definitely an aggressive guy. I'd be stunned if they stood pat at the deadline. Otani might be a bit of a reach for them. I'm not sure that they have enough in their system to go get him, and I think what they do have in their system they want to hold on to. So 
I, I think that's probably a little bit pie in the sky for them. But knowing Dombrowski, he's I'm sure going to kind of be monitoring that situation as he will with everyone, whether it's Otani or Juan Soto or mm-hmm. whoever the biggest names are that are out there. He's never not in the mix. So I think he'll have a pulse of what the Angels want to do, and he'll probably know whether he can line up for it or not. But I don't, I don't want to be a major player in that. I just don't know that they have the the resources to kind of go and do that and and not and not to sacrifice too much. Um, they want to leave their window open as long as they can to contend. So while he would certainly help them right now, um, you know, I'm not, and they do have a big payroll and they do have a team that spent a lot of money the last few years. And you think about, you know, could they, could they resign him in the off season? You know, I don't think they can, but um, they have spent a ton of money. So, you know, they, they are a big spender. Uh, but I think it's kind of far fetched, but we'll sort of see how it goes. I mean, we'll see whether the angels really have the nerve to do it. I kind of wonder from people I talk to around the game, whether, Artie Moreno really wants to do this, whether he wants to be known as the guy who traded Shelly Otani. I think also he probably thinks he's got a chance to re-sign him, and if the rest of the world doesn't. And if he trades him, that chance diminishes uh, tremendously yeah. if you trade him uh, to re-sign him. So I still question whether they're going to actually do it, uh, but if they did it, I'm sure the Phillies would keep an eye on it and uh, and see, but I, I think they're probably lower on the on the on the on the list of teams that that could make it happen. I think the team that's that's really a dangerous team to jump in and grab him is the San Francisco Giants because I've got they've got the wherewithal to pay him, uh, and I think they would love the idea of having him for two months, both for what he can do for this year, but what they can do to win him over that they're they're a team that he belongs on. So we'll see how yeah, it plays I, I out. Could- yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, they have a lot of money sitting there that they were going to give Aaron Judge yep. and that they were going to give Carlos Correa. So, yeah, I mean, that's a team, West Coast team. We know he likes the West Coast. Maybe you can attract him for two months. If you if you make a trade, you can sell him on the Bay Area. So, yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I think they're well-positioned to do it. If, if uh, And it's out of the American League. I think it's they're they're well positioned to do it if if in fact he, he goes. Yeah, and I don't see Moreno wanting to trade him to the Dodgers, you know. Before no, you, definitely not. Not Scott Lauber, thank you very much for joining us. Always enjoy your work. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, Scott is with the Philadelphia Inquirer up in Philly as the Orioles get ready to play a three-game series tonight, 6:40, tomorrow 6:40 and Wednesday. Do not forget, game time is 6 o'clock on Wednesday. All right. Um, We're going to take our final timeout of the morning on the Glenn Clark Radio Show. And then, Griffin, help me, because I knew who our guests were, but what do we have left in the program? Uh, I think we'll do a tidbit. We'll do a tubular. And, uh, Grant, you'll be giving giving us your segment today? Yeah, this week in the rest of baseball. baseball. Yes, correct. All right, we'll be right back with all of that and even more when we get back. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. 
The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at A.J. Michaels. That's AJMichaels.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Glenn is out this week. I'll uh, bring us back as Stan uh, rehydrates here for the final segment of today's show. Uh, what would you like to do next here, Stan? We are going to uh, This Week in Baseball with Grant DeViva. This week in the rest of baseball. Okay, so to start off this week in the rest of baseball, I just want to say congratulations to the newest members of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Yesterday, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland were elected. Uh, McGriff, of course, a tremendous career himself, 19 seasons with a slew of teams, including the Rays, Padres, and Braves. Uh, 493 home runs, very close to the 500 mark. He is a world champion in the 1995 World Series with the Braves, three-time Silver Slugger, and a five-time All-Star, waiting 10 years. That's a long 
for his numbers is a long time to wait for the Hall of Fame. And he finally, he, he was unanimously voted, so he finally gets his call to the Hall of Fame. Um, and and it, that was in the, the like, the supplemental kind of Hall of Fame voting, right? Yes. That was the, yes. what, 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 what did they call that? What did they call it, Stan? What did they call the uh, the the, the second rank? Yes, yeah, the veterans committee. So that was Fred, Fred McGriff. Uh, is he he's definitely a hall of famer in your book as well, Stan? McGriff? Yeah, McGriff. Yes, Roland wasn't. In no, he wasn't. Book. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Roland. But, I, but again, I that to me the biggest injustice for years, the biggest injustice to me was Tony Oliva. Today, the biggest injustice is Billy Wagner not being in the Hall of Fame. And alongside. Um, McGriff goes in rolling. You were just talking about rolling a few seconds ago. Uh, 17 seasons, 1997 National League Rookie of the Year with the Phillies, seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover. That's probably what they're looking at when they put him in the Hall of Fame. Those those accolades he had, one-time Silver Slugger. He won the World Series with the Cardinals in 2006. He is the 12th uh, Cardinal to have the St. Louis logo on his Hall of Fame plaque. And he waited a little less than McGriff. He waited six years for his Hall of Fame selection. Uh, so congratulations to those two for making the Hall of Fame. The interesting thing I saw about McGriff, though, um, 10th grade high school cut. Hmm. And here he is. national, Just like Michael Jordan, Hall right? Of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah. You just never know. Hard work pays off. Uh, aside from the Hall of Fame, we're going to revisit the American League East with Aaron Judge and, jo- <coughs> Aaron Judge and Jonathan Loisica. Did some work yesterday at Yankee Stadium. Judge did live batting practice off of Loisica. Judge, of course, hasn't played since June 3rd with that big toe injury he's had. Uh, he's still on the IL, and, of course, when the Yankees get him back, that lineup will be, you account for one individual, double the threat. Right, yeah. Um, how long are they saying until Judge comes back? Uh, They're still, they still haven't really given a timetable? No, he hadn't even started a rehab appearance yet. So yeah. once they get that going, I'm sure he'll be in either A Somerset, maybe um, Hudson Valley, which is high A. So mm-hmm. that'll be soon. But at, at this point, it's just live BP. And they said he, he looked good. They said he fouled off five pitches versus Loisca. He faced 16 pitches overall. Uh, and Loisca himself is, is on his way back from the from the IL. He had arthroscop, arthroscopic surgery on May 2nd to remove a bone spur in his pitching elbow and he was doing really good until that injury the last game he pitched was April 5th versus the Phillies Jeez. Um, which has been a long time for him and obviously anything where you're throwing elbow is it's you're gonna see a, a long timeline before you come back uh, three and a third innings one strikeout a uh, 0.6 whip so um, it would be a really good boost to get him back in, in, in a bullpen that probably needs the help that would be Jonathan Loisica. So really getting those two back would be big for the Yankees to get them away from the basement. But just, I mean, Aaron Judge coming back, good for baseball overall. He has been dearly missed. Not good for the Orioles. Really. Yeah, he can we take, haven't he can take his yeah. time on that yeah. rehab assignment. <laughs> we uh, haven't if, missed he, him. if he ever even gets it. So. Yeah, if he ever gets it. Yeah, we haven't missed him as much. The Yankees fans and, and the diehard baseball fans need, need him back. And then to wrap it up. Be on the lookout for some key games happening this weekend, some key division rivalries. Tonight, the Reds and Brewers at um, – uh, it's not Miller Park anymore. It is uh, Ameri- family, American Family Field, American right? Family Field yeah. at 8, 10 p.m. Of course, the Brewers, just a half-game advantage over the Cincinnati Reds. And, of course, it was flip-flopped about a month ago when the, the Reds were on top. Some bats have cooled off, including Elliot uh, De La Cruz, who was the last time early in the season we were talking about the hot top, the hot topic he was, and he's just three for thirty-five since the All-Star break. Really, one, he's only three for thirty-five. One homer, one RBI. Really? That was a massive homer, though. The one, 
the one yeah that, I guess. that that is very um, true and then you also it's interesting yeah it's kind of interesting just the to bring up the reds and just kind of how they've uh, they're not out of it by any means but they've oh, fallen no. out of first place in the nl central kind of the diamondbacks we talked about a little bit about earlier they've fallen out of place in the nl west and then the orioles because those three teams were kind of all being mentioned in the same breath throughout the season kind of nationally we you know, these are young teams that are maybe overperforming, uh, and it was like, which team is going to stick around? And it seems like the Orioles are, are that far and away the the team that is going to stick around, and, and they've now right. now surpassed as the other two teams were in first in their divisions. The Orioles were in second, and now the Orioles have moved and, into first And place. they're very young, too. That mm-hmm. the, Both the Reds and the Diamondbacks are very, very, very young, and maybe it just caught up to them. And maybe this is that, that, that turning point where it's like, here's what you need to do to keep winning games. Here's that. Fo- where's your focus level at? So they're a very young team. I get it. You know, teams will, will, will hang in, will tail off, but only th- this is a crucial series to see who's really in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Brewers got you know they the Brewers got MVP Christian Yelich back, and of yeah, course the Reds playing like an MVP lately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What we what we saw three or four years ago before that. Such a shame head. that injury must have really robbed him of so much because he was the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it looks like we could be getting that back again, and I would love to see that out of Christian Yelich. Are the Reds and Diamondbacks playoff teams, Stan? Uh, the Reds, you know I picked them to be in the yeah, World Series and yeah. play the Orioles and beat the Orioles. Uh, I think they're a very dangerous team. I think they they look like they are really going after it. I expect them to make one or two Big significant moves. Shohei yeah. um, Otani. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I, I doubt. I doubt he's going. Yeah, I don't to think so either. But um, um, Milwaukee. Did you guys see Saturday's debut of Sal Freelich? Yes, yes, that was very impressive. Wow. That he was, was one of he the had most a great amazing night. debuts I've ever seen. How many plays in the field did he make? I know he made one spectacular one. Did he make another? I think he made multiple plays in the field like that. And then he had what the game-winning hit as well. Um, he was. Uh, he seems. We'll we'll see if he he can keep it up. Yeah, they yeah. got some young potential there too. South Freilich, It's a shame they still don't have a uh, Garrett Mitchell. He he really could have helped them this season, and he's done with an injury. So, mm. uh, but still a young mix of young mix of veteran. That that's going to be a good series to watch to see who, kind of like we just had Orioles and Rays, who's going to do it in the Central now. And now you got the AL West as well with the Rangers and Astros, and that is a dogfight for who's going to claim that as well. With the the Rangers only got a three-game advantage of the Houston Astros, so that's a little bit of a deeper hole the Astros are in where they can at least climb themselves back towards the top with a series win, series sweep. Well, least, Houston hosts the Texas Rangers at for three Park. starting tonight. Yes. Uh, and it's interesting, uh, Nathan Valdi has been pulled from his start oh, against Houston. They're, they're saying the... Downtick in his stuff uh, is significant enough that they're just being a little cautious and want to give him a breather. I'm still, I'm, I'm still convinced that teams are all over the map. The Orioles aren't alone in the Grayson Rodriguez no. situation. The Tyler Wells, the pandemic yeah. is still wreaking havoc on how teams These players late have been able season. to pitching, pitching. Yeah, it really yeah. has. Especially since you didn't, especially like minor league, like Grayson or some of those guys who didn't even have the minor league season to, to, to continue. That's the guys, yeah. As we're, the, what a shame. As we're talking about the Orioles, you know, getting a you know another starter potentially and a, a cheap starter is what we all want. What do you think about Jordan Lyles trying to rescue him from Kansas City as well? 
and just I mean I know he's had a horrible season but it's look at his team look at right, his team right and he is going to be a guy that's going to get you to the sixth inning every single night we know or that. the seventh we know even that he has sixth or, or even seventh some, in a rare occasion nine bring him back home and uh, in a place he's comfortable I love Jordan Lyles I told him I wanted him to, I wanted him to be here this year and unfortunately that didn't happen but I loved him last year Stan does not like that the I'm face not a that big, you're making uh, Jordan no. Lyles guy no even no. though even though he's he is the eating the the eat, the innings muncher, you know. The, the innings, innings muncher. All right. Okay, that sounds good. Well, yeah. Grant, thank you very much for the You're very welcome. That looking this week in the rest of baseball. Yeah. All right. Thank you. What guys. do we got? We got a tidbit. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, do you want to tell everyone what it is? Uh, what it, who, who brings us this tidbit? The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on a new Tacoma from your local Toyota dealer today. Thanks, Dan. So, Brian Harmon, as we talked about earlier uh, in the show, did win the Open, not the British Open, just the Open Championship. He led by at least five shots after each of the final three rounds at the Open this weekend. He is the first player to do that since 1934 when? 1934? Yeah, 1934. Who led in the final three rounds? Byron Nelson. Oh, it was close. It was Henry Cotton. Henry Cotton in 1934. He is the first. Of Brian, Brian Harmon joins us. Some elite company with Henry Henry Cotton in the history of the Open. What's going to be my next guest? Oh, Henry Cotton. Oh, I should have given you two. I, my bad. My bad. Uh, Tristan Casas. He is the first rookie. Had a good series uh, with the Red Sox over the weekend. Uh, he hit multiple home runs off of Max Scherzer. So he is the first rookie that Max Scherzer has ever allowed uh, to hit multiple home runs off of him in a game. Uh, and interesting is uh, some some kind of slow, kind of quiet reports that the Mets obviously are probably going to have to sell, and you look at what they might have to do to, what a team might have to do to get Verlander or Scherzer, and, and a lot of people believe that they'll have to kind of, that the Mets will probably have to pay off those contracts, or at least large yeah. portions of them, if, if, if they want to trade Scherzer or Verlander. Do you see anyone who would be interested in, in Verlander? Giants, I mean, yes, everyone would be interested. Giants have already asked about him. They have? Yep. Okay. Who do you yeah, think? I think, uh, well, he's scheduled to make $50 million next year, correct? Uh, Scherzer? No, not Scherzer. Verlander, Verlander. Uh, $43 million. $43 million. I believe they're both like oh, 43 Oh, everybody can afford $43 yeah, yeah, million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an interesting guy for the Reds. Uh, seriously, they've got a ton of prospects, and uh, I could see him in that uniform. You could see uh, now, Maybe Verlander. he wouldn't want to pitch in – Great American ballpark. I don't know. Maybe Houston would be interested in picking him back up. There is one reliever that just went off of the board. Atlanta traded uh, for Pierce Johnson from Colorado. Not for, that familiar with him. Uh, Pierce Johnson. I guess. I guess you you like Daniel Bard in the Colorado bullpen, though. Uh, I'm you not sour that, on him. I'm not that familiar with their bullpen. Okay. Frankly, right. pay very. That's probably the one team in baseball I pay so little attention. The Colorado Rockies. Yeah. In their opening match uh, versus Vietnam on Friday Friday night, the United States won their 18th Women's World Cup match by three or more goals. That ties them with what country for the most three-goal wins all time in Women's World Cup history? France. Not France. You're close, though. Germany. Germany. That is who they are tied with. Germany and the United States, 18 Henry wins. Cotton. <laughs> Henry Cotton. That was the first one. That was the first question. Uh, and then finally, Scott Rowland, as we talked about the, uh, the the Hall of Fame induction on Sunday. Scott Rowland, his eight gold gloves at third base are the fourth most all-time. Fourth most all-time at third base for a gold glover. Can you name the three players with more gold gloves 
at third base. Then Scott Rowland. Then Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland. Brooks Robinson. Yes, Brooks Robinson. He is number one. I'm going to guess. And how many did how many did uh, Rowland have? Rowland had eight. 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 I'm going to say Mike Schmidt had more. Mike Schmidt did in wow, fact nice. have. More, he has second on this list. So it goes Brooks, Mike Schmidt with 10 gold gloves. And now we need two more? Just one more. One more. He also has 10 gold gloves oh, at third base. Was he a New York Yankee? Glenn. He's not a New York Yankee. He's not a New York Yankee. Is he a Chicago Cub? Not a Chicago Cub. Is he a St. Louis Cardinal? Uh, he is currently... Oh, Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado has 10 gold gloves. He already has 10? Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would have guessed he had about six or seven. Yeah, I mean, he's. uh, I guess he's won it every single year that he's been active. How old is he? He's also got a platinum glove, too. He's an amazing defender. Yes, Mm -hmm. he is. Yes, he is. And the Cardinals are just not He's one of the best I've ever seen. He's He's 32, Nolan Arenado. Okay, so he's yeah. yeah, he's been around a while, actually. First year was 2013. That's practically every year he's played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and before we get out, you want to? I'll go over uh, totally tubular for you guys in the sports. Start with the sports uh, on Mass and Two, of course. The Orioles and the Phillies. That one, uh, I guess, coverage starts at six thirty. The game, what is supposed to first pitch is supposed to be six forty. Um, Dean Kramer versus Christopher Sanchez, as we just talked about with uh, Scott Lauber. It's also going to be on ESPN Plus nationally for anyone not in the Baltimore market. Uh, Masson's going to have the Rockies and the Nationals. So there you go. Maybe if you just want to switch over, Stan, you can check out the Rockies as they play the Nationals. Learn a little bit more about, you know, the, a Major League Baseball team. Okay. <laughs> uh, MLB Network's going to have the Giants and Tigers at 1, and then the Royals and Guardians at 7, uh, and then Blue Jays-Dodgers at 10 o'clock. Also on ESPN Plus, Mariners-Twins. The rest you can get at glennclarkradio.com. Fox Sports 1 is going to have the FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, at 10 o'clock, Colombia and South Korea. Who you got on that one, Stan? Who's playing? Colombia and South Korea. Wow, my money's on Colombia. Oh, okay, all right. Colombia and South Korea. I hear 10. they're a goal, a goal and a half favorite. Are they really? Yeah, that's uh, what I hear. New Zealand and in the Philippines at 1.30 uh, in the morning. Switzerland, Norway at 4 in the morning. And then uh, WWE Raw at 8 o'clock on USA. And then non-sports for you. American Ninja Warrior on NBC, which I guess maybe kind of falls into sports, American Ninja Warrior. Uh, the Bachelorette is at 9 o'clock on ABC. Uh, and then The Golden Boy, Part 1. This is a uh, docu, uh, like a po- two-part docu- documentary uh, on HBO at 9 o'clock about Oscar De La, De La Toya and uh, kind of his boxing career and his life. It's uh, So Part 1 of 2, uh, the Part 2 finale will be tomorrow night on HBO. And then uh, Futurama on Hulu. They're reviving the series of Futurama. I don't know if you, I guess, Stan, you were never a Futurama guy, no. were you? Uh, the animated uh, kind of adult swim show. I've lived I guess in it was the TBS. Past. I've lived in the past, not the future. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. well, Futurama. There you go. Uh, and then Netflix's unknown series comes to an end with Cosmic Time Machine uh, documentary. Uh, the, their, their docu-series, Cosmic Time Machine on Netflix. And, I started uh, watching. I started watching the new Jack, the last Jack Ryan. Oh, you started the final season. Yeah, I watched uh, two. I don't understand why it's very popular. I don't understand, you don't understand why because it's John Krasinski doing uh you know cool stuff, right? I I never. No, I've no, never I understand. That. I'm. I don't understand why it's the final season. Oh, maybe it's very they entertaining. They just, maybe they just they just uh you know I they mean, didn't want to overstay their welcome. Uh, okay. Well, the way to handle that is just. Get somebody new to play the part of Jack Ryan. Oh, so you, well, maybe, maybe that's what will happen. You know, Futurama yeah. just came back. Maybe Jack Ryan will come back in ten years with it. Anyway, it's so convoluted. What's going on in this? I hate the places, the the movies that start with 
something bizarre, and then it then they play the credits, and then it starts again, and it says three weeks earlier. I can't even remember what just took place at the beginning of the show. These shows are meant to be sat down and watched in in twenty four hour twenty four consecutive yeah. hours. Stan, yeah, yeah, they, it's too much, too much to ask you to remember. Right? All right, even though they're showing you, I guess they're showing you what happened three weeks earlier. Yeah. All right, does that? So, but you're a fan, though. You, you do enjoy it. You do like Jack Ryan. I like Jack Ryan. You're just yeah, disappointed like it's the last. I season. like Krasinski. Yeah, and I like his uh, his buddy, uh, his buddy, the guy he's friendly with. In Jack Ryan. In Jack Ryan, the actor, the jovial African American guy. Uh, Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's great. Great. Um, does that wrap us up? That will wrap us up for today. That wraps us up for today. Many thanks to our guests today, which were Drew Forrester, Scott Lauber, and Lee Lowenfish. Mm-hmm. We thank Grant DeVivo. Well done. And Griffin Bass. Thank Thanks, you. guys. I will be in tomorrow. Do we have any idea? Can we preview? Uh, I believe we're going to catch up with Andy Dolich. And, uh, uh, the Dolich, man. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, Oakland. Goodbye, Oakland. Yeah, we'll talk about the, uh, you know, I guess we'll talk about the uh, the Oakland A's and what what's, what's going to happen there. All right. Uh, and then. You and me talking Orioles. Hopefully, right, uh, a, good. a series Stuff opening things. Grant yeah. won't be in tomorrow. Are you going to be in tomorrow, Grant? Would you like me to come in? Uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll. You can text me, but we'll probably catch up next week. <laughs> that's okay. a no. That's a no. You well, don't sure. have to be. I asked. No. I had a lot of fun today. So. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. You? Okay. You're you're welcome to come in tomorrow. Okay. Seriously, yes. if you'd yes. like to come in tomorrow, he can come in tomorrow. All right. All have right. My, and we'll see you tomorrow, Grant. Have my right. double permission. Okay. okay. All right. And Grant and Glenn can take it up with me if he okay. has a problem. Right. If, has a problem. if you feel like coming in, you're in. We'll okay? talk. Yeah. Okay. I'm if you can, I mean, on, if you can't, yeah. I'm working on the Immaculate Grid for today. Oh, you are. Yeah. All right. I still I need to play that. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet. Today. I got a 16 yesterday. Six. Wow. Yeah. Stand the fan. I got like a. I got triple digits yesterday. Yeah. It's, yeah. We don't want you to talk about it. I'm, I'm on my way to a pretty good one right now. Actually, I used a bad. I got a 32 percenter in Wade Boggs. It's asking Tampa, New York Yankee player. Okay. Do you have a Do you have a closer? Kelly uh, Johnson. Oh, there you go. Do, uh, I do have, you have a cl- Do you have a closing uh, like Glenn does? Glenn likes. So uh, I know you. I know you are actually a Duke fan, which is no. I'm not a Duke fan. I'm back being a Maryland fan because okay. Mike Shashevsky is no longer a Duke, but I don't hate Duke. Uh, but I'm firmly in uh, Kevin Willard's camp. I think he's going to do a great job there. Okay. All right. So you want to end with Go Maryland then? We can say that for now. Okay. All right. Go Maryland.